Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and normally how we do it, I would read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. Um, But today I'm not going to read any poems. I just simply wanted to have a conversation and wish everyone a belated excuse me, happy Thanksgiving. So I do hope that y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, For those of you that have actually experienced loss and Thanksgiving or any holiday for that matter is very or extremely difficult for you. You are in my thoughts and in my prayers. It's something about the holidays. Anytime that Holidays come around, it could either bring out the best in you or it could bring out the worst in you. It just depends on what your backstory is. And so as I reflect on my Thanksgiving, which was quite, it was for the most part, a very blessed Thanksgiving. Um, Five of my six children were present, which is always a beautiful sight for me to see. And... Yeah, so I did a lot of laughing. I did a lot of observing. Um, One thing that I will say, if you are a person that knows your triggers, and if you know that there are certain atmospheres that um, trigger you, what I would encourage you to do is create a way of escape. Excuse me. I'm just not waking up, y'all. So I got to clear my throat a couple of times. So um, one thing that I actually um, have recognized is there's a a few things that I've recognized. You do not have to subject yourself to other people's toxic behaviors. Um, And I know that based upon how we have grown up or a lot of us have grown up, We've kind of just excused toxic behavior as, oh, that's just how auntie is, or that's just how Gma is, or that's just how my sister is. But one thing that I'm starting to recognize, especially after having and receiving therapy, is that you don't have to accept toxic behaviors. Um, But if you are the type of person that loves to be around family and friends, if you are the type of person that loves to you kind of get your energy from other people. Um, plan for a way of escape. If you if you do come across that, let's just say I'm going to give you all some examples. A lot of you may be able to relate and some of you won't. But let's say you got that that drunk uncle and you know that maybe, you know, anytime that he's around that he becomes touchy feely and you don't like how that makes you feel. Well, then find a way of escape. Find a way to either exit stage left, find a way to sit around, like, let's say your barriers. Let's say you got, you know, a protective cousin over here and a protective cousin over here sitting between the cousins. You know, find a way of escape. Find a way to protect your person. Find a way to protect your mental um, so that you're not triggered. And I know a lot of times we don't talk about stuff like that, but, you know, those situations do occur. You may be in a an atmosphere where, um, someone, a relative who molested you when you were younger and you found a way to, I guess, so to speak, forgive that person, but you still feel uneasy whenever you're in that person's presence. Make sure you find a way of escape. 
too many times we excuse away the warning signs. We pretend like the warning signs are not there. Um, and then we subject ourselves to those triggers. But if you know what your triggers are before entering into an atmosphere, then guard your gates, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your eyes, guard your soul, guard your spirit, guard your gates. And so um, that was just an example. But yeah, if you know that there's certain people that are triggers for you, if you know that there's certain things that they do um, that trigger you, just be prepared to do things differently so that you are protecting your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. Um, and then that way you're able to enjoy engaging with your friends and your family. It makes a world of difference. And that's something that um, I am the older that I'm becoming, I'm more mindful of. I remember that there was a situation where I actually had not done I hadn't prepared myself. So there was a particular trigger, but I hadn't prepared myself for that. And there was a party that I was pretty much, I attended the party. I wasn't necessarily invited to it, but I was, if that makes sense. Like there wasn't a formal, <clears throat> excuse me, there wasn't a formal invitation given, but because of who the person was, they were like, you should just know Anytime that I'm having something, you're invited. So it's that type of situation. And so um, I had made a few calls and I had inquired with a few friends and asked a few friends, you know, should I go? Should I not? And then one of the questions was um, proposed is like, well, if you don't go, what's the worst that could happen? <clears throat> Excuse me. And what I was pretty much when I thought about it, I said, well, then I'll be it'll come up. The subject will come up of you knew you were, you know, welcome. How come you didn't show? So then with that being in mind, I went ahead and attended, but I did not create the boundaries. I did not create, even though I knew the personalities that would be there, the people that would be there, I forgot to do the work in terms of creating a way of escape. So when I got there, a certain individual that I hadn't even realized was a trigger still to this day for me. I had not mentally prepared myself for that person's presence. And by not mentally preparing myself for that person's presence, even though I had the United Front, put on the United Front, was able to get through the entire situation, even when there were some awkward situations that took place, um, I was grateful for a couple of my children who became my barriers and they actually rallied around me because they know their mother. So they know some of my triggers, those that I've spoken and, you know, some that I haven't, but based off of my past, they pretty much have a, a gist of what my triggers are. And so they rallied around me. And I thank God for that because I didn't have to say anything. They just observed the atmosphere. And when they observed the atmosphere, they noticed, okay, th this is going to be something that is going to probably affect mom in more ways than one. So they just, you know, rallied around their mom. <clears throat> excuse me. So then at the end of the night, when we were leaving, I remember being in the car and communicating what being in that atmosphere felt like. And I actually had an anxiety attack. I had multiple anxiety attacks while I was in the situation. But like after it was over with, the aftermath hit me. And I was like, I didn't even recognize or realize that that particular person was still a trigger for me. 
had not a clue because it'd been so many years since I'd seen that individual. And so all of these emotions came flooding in when I saw that person again. And even though I, you know, maintained my professionalism, even though I was cordial, even though I even had a conversation with the individual, I didn't realize that that was still a pain point for me dealing with that individual after all of these years. And so once we were outside of that situation and I was able to process what I had actually encountered, it's like everything just came out of me. I cried like a baby. I, you know, pretty much. And I was like, you're still wounded. Years have passed. And even though you can see this individual and even though you can hold a conversation with this individual, there's still some wounds there that haven't healed. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there is um, bitterness. Maybe whatever it is, I'd realized in that moment. And I, I thank God for my children because as a parent, you don't really know sometimes like what you poured into them. But then at the strangest of moments, they will pour back into you. And so my son, Xavier, poured into me. And in that moment, he just ministered, ministered until I was able to hold my head up high again. And in that moment, I was so proud to be his mother because I was like, you have been listening to me. <laughs> you have been taking notes. You have been, <clears throat> excuse me, paying attention to the life lessons that I've tried to share with you. But then in that particular moment, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. That's what I needed. I needed my iron to be sharpened. I needed to be reaffirmed. I needed to be reminded of, you know, the, even when things don't necessarily work out the way that you intend them to work out, or even if, you know, you weren't as strong as you thought you would be in a moment, sometimes you need to be reminded, hey, at least you were courageous enough to put your best foot forward and be in that position regardless of the turnout, at least you did not let fear stifle you or cripple you to the point that you couldn't even take a moment to go forth and just see, you know, how things were going to be or just see um, how engaging with certain individuals, how much stronger you've come. Because a lot of times you will not know if you've truly overcome any type of trauma or any type of bad situation or any type of bad experience, if you don't put yourself back out there, if I hope that makes sense to someone, um, you'll never know, like if you've grown in that arena, if you've healed in that arena, if you've overcome in that arena, or if you still need to do work in that arena, if you don't at least make the attempt to try. And so one of the things that I did by consulting with my friends, by um, asking, should I go by actually being present and then being in the midst of that and then going through what I went through and having a conversation with this old person um, who in a lot of ways was still present because I had not dealt with the past. 
Um, and I thought I had dealt with the past. That's the crazy thing, too. A lot of times you may think that you've dealt with something, maybe because you wrote a couple of inserts in your journal or maybe because you took the time out to talk to your therapist about it. And so in your mind, you're like, I brought it up. So apparently if I brought it up and I conversed about it a little bit, maybe I'm healed. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you have a scab. There's a scab there. And then by seeing that person, it may be like peeling back that scab and then you're bleeding all over again. And so even when it comes to family functions or even when it comes to holidays, you may be in a situation where you believe that because a loved one has been deceased for, let's say, five years, you may think, okay, so now I can go around, you know, the people that were affiliated with this loved one. Not understanding that once you're in that atmosphere, it brings back or rushes back all of these unresolved emotions that you had not really dealt with because you hadn't really seen these people. So it's like being mindful of that, asking God to show you or whoever it is that you seek for wisdom or whoever it is that you seek for guidance, asking to to literally show me how to maneuver um, so that I don't end up being extra wounded in this experience. Show me how it is that I need to grow. Show me where it is that I'm still wounded. Show me how it is that I need to heal. Um, and if there are triggers or if there's because a lot of times you may not even be aware that there's just certain people connected to your past trauma where you feel like you can deal with. But then when you're in their presence, it's like re-triggering you all over again. You're going to need a way of escape in those type of situations. Now, mind you, this is stuff that I literally didn't even know. Um, I didn't even know that this is the things that happen. So I've suffered from anxiety my entire life. And I know for a lot of people, that's really hard to believe. Uh, but I have. I've suffered from anxiety because of a lot of the past trauma that I've been through um, my whole life. But it wasn't until my late, I believe my late 30s, when I started getting, no, it was my late 20s. So in my late 20s, I started getting therapy. And then um, I started getting counseling. And what I started to realize is that what a lot of my, during those seasons, my boyfriends were calling it, they were calling it insecurity, but I didn't know that I was actually having panic attacks. And so it wasn't until I went to therapy that I started to recognize that anxiety is a beast. Anxiety is truly a beast. And so it shows up unannounced. It shows up at the weirdest of moments. You don't know what your triggers are sometimes until you're actually in the midst of something. And so um, now I do preventive maintenance. So if you've never heard of this before, and if you're, I mean, of course, make sure you get a doctor's release or whatever. But if you've never heard of this before, um, there is a, a herbal solution called ashwagandha. So if you've never heard of that before, I would strongly recommend consulting with your doctor to see if that is something that you can actually take. So with ashwagandha, what I have noticed along with my um, medication that I take, what I've noticed is that 
it helps me to not like when you're in a highly stressful situation, it kind of helps you take the edge off. So if you're one of those people that suffers from anxiety, that's something that I would strongly recommend taking. Now, what I noticed, though, is that if I just take my medication, but I don't take the ashwagandha, the medication is like time sensitive or whatever. So it's only going to last for so long. But when I'm taking it with the ashwagandha, in my opinion, it extends the life of the medication. And so it makes it easier for me to deal with highly stressful situations. For the most part, I am a people's person. But some of the things that um, that my doctors have brought to my attention is that when it comes to major crowds or whatever, um, and it's crazy because I've been told, like, I don't believe that diagnosis <laughs> because one of the... Um, one of my doctors actually told me, she said, I suffer from social anxiety. And I was she it, like the people that know me are just like, I don't believe that because you get along with just about anybody. It could be a stranger, yada, yada, yada. But the, the truth of the matter is when I really take the time out to observe that there is, even if it's not the fullness of the truth, it, it almost seems like there is an underlining truth to that. Because if there's an extensive amount of people present, that's what I've noticed is that my anxiety will spike. And so I don't know why that is, um, have never really taken the time out to like, you know, get it analyzed or whatever. Um, I've just trusted what the doctors have said and just done my um, precautionary measures, just preventive, you know, maintenance, just to make sure that it doesn't become a big, a big, 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 big deal. But um, one of the things that I did notice is that um, when I am taking the medication, that it takes about 30 minutes for it to kick in. And then I am calm. So even if there is a situation where I'm triggered, I might not respond to the trigger because I'm in a calm state of mind. But what I've also noticed is that once the medicine starts to wear off, if it wears off and I'm still in a heightened, heightened, stressful situation, then it's almost like going from zero to 100 real quick. So imagine somebody being claustrophobic, if you know anything about being claustrophobic. They may convince themselves Whenever they're trying to overcome that fear, they may convince themselves, if I step into this room and you close the door, I'm going to be good for about one minute. But then the minute that they hear the door lock, that whole where they've prepped themselves and they've talked themselves into um, making sure that they won't have a panic attack. All of a sudden, the moment that they hear that lock then it's like they go from zero to 100 real quick and they start beating on the door and they're like, let me out, let me out, let me out now. And they start hyperventilating. And then when they are hyperventilating, they're on the verge of passing out because they're claustrophobic. They literally do not want to be closed in in a closed space. They automatically fear dying or they fear being abandoned or they fear being rejected, you know, whatever their fear is, it starts to manifest in that little um, small space. And it may not even be a small space. It may be a big space. But to them, because they literally are afraid of being in closed spaces, all of a sudden, it's like their whole life flashes before them. So in those situations, if they are surrounded by someone that supports them, they can say, hey, um, please don't lock the door. Like I'm, I'm taking this challenge 
on, but please don't lock the door because if I hear the door locks, then I'm going to lose it. And so by doing that, by asking their pillars or by asking the people around them to create such a haven for them to where I'm going to I'm going to step into something that makes me afraid. But in order for me to do it successfully, I need you to do X, Y and Z. By doing that, it helps you to be able to enter into um, situations that would normally trigger you. If you literally have a way of escape planned or if you literally have a way of coping, coping mechanisms, tools or whatever you call it um, in order for you to get through that situation. So there are a lot of people that fear speaking in front of a crowd of folks. I was talking to a nurse yesterday and she was telling me how. First of all, the girl was absolutely hilarious. Let me just start there. She had me laughing so freaking hard. And as because we were talking about the medication that I take. And then she was telling me how she takes. Well, she used to take that same medication, but she said it had a, a different type of effect for her. So she said if she took it in the afternoon, then she would be just really sluggish and want to be sleepy or whatever. And then she said, but when I took it at night, I would go to bed. But the next thing I know, I'm up at two o'clock in the morning and she's like, I'm ready to go hang out at the clubs and do whatever. She said and her husband was like, hey, we're going to have to do something different. And so she recognized that it was that medication. So she was asking me about how I handled the medication. And so I went on to tell her that I combined it with the ashwagandha. And I believe that's the reason why it doesn't have those effects on me in the same light. So as we um, began to have that conversation, um, I thought about how it every, everything isn't for everybody. So... One, I have a friend of mine and I adore her. Um, she's one of my best friends and I've paid attention to her over the years. And when you learn what your triggers are, there's two different types of people. There's the type of person that will, um, there's many different types, but I'm just talking about this particular type. Um, there's types of people that even though they know what their triggers are, they are courageous and they will walk in the light, so to speak. So when they're walking in the light, they know that there are certain things that are going to trigger them. But they have, again, they have precautionary measures. So they, they go forth. They go forth and they're prepared for whatever. Then you have the other type of people that are like, I know what my triggers are. So. Because the Bible says a prudent man sees evil and hides from it, I'm going to be that person. And so since I know that this is a trigger for me, I'm not going to put myself in a situation to be triggered. That's how my friend is. And I admire her for that. I'm the opposite. I'm going to go where the light is at. Like, even though both of them offer light, I'm going to go. I'm going to be the one that's more courageous and probably crazy in a sense and just go for where the triggers are and still try to do whatever. Right. So when I think about that, I think about my life and I think about how in her life as well. And I think about the peace that she has compared to the disruption that I create sometimes because I'm not doing that. I'm not that person that is taking the time out to be like, oh, let me just go ahead and just not put myself in that situation. Because if I don't put myself in that situation, I don't have to do all of the extra to get back on course. See, the way that she does it, she's like, I'm not going to put myself in that situation so that I don't have to do 
X, Y, and Z to get back on course. I'm already there. I'm staying in my Zen. I'm staying in my, my peace. I'm staying in my flow. I'm staying in my frequency. Um, and so I don't have to subject myself. If I know what my triggers are, I'm going to avoid those situations that trigger me. I am now learning from her wisdom. And I know y'all are like this girl was talking about Thanksgiving and now all of a sudden, okay, and th- there's a reason for it is because I know that there are a lot of people that the holidays brings out those traumatic thoughts. The, it reminds you of the trauma. It reminds you of the loss. It reminds you of, you know, let's say it's that, that cousin that, you know, every time you get around this cousin, she feels like she got to compete with you in some type of way. Um, it reminds you of the people that they say they love you, but at the same time, their actions don't align. And now you're in a setting where you've got to deal with the fake, you know, um, you got to deal with the passive aggressiveness. You got to deal with the, the, the united front, so to speak. And even though you want to be around X, Y, and Z, you know, that A, B, and C is going to be there. And you're trying to figure out how can I, have a good time with a with X, Y, and Z, although I know A, B, and C might be on the other stuff, you know? So just those types of things really happen in real life. And I know we don't talk about it. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, but yeah, if you have a good support system, if you have a good plan, then you can pretty much walk in just about any atmosphere. If you prep yourself, you got to mentally, and I remember um, being told by someone near and dear to my heart that when there's certain environments that he is that he goes into, he has to mentally prepare himself. And at first I was like, OK, that's different. Now I'm starting to understand. No, that's wise. <laughs> that's wise. You have to mentally prepare yourself for certain situations, certain atmospheres. So if you're one of those people that you avoid the holidays like the plague because you have not figured out a way to equip yourself to be successful in those days or figured out a way to to journey through those days without being easily triggered. Um, My advice to you would be find a way that feels peaceful to you. Create the atmosphere that you're seeking. And it may be to just pretend like that day doesn't exist. There's a lot of people that do that. It's a lot of people that, you know, they'll go and they'll do everything as if it's not a holiday and they do that on purpose because that's a trigger for them. Maybe they lost their loved one on that specific day. Maybe they lost their loved one within a few days of that day. Um, And so they do something different so that it doesn't leave a lasting scar that's all, where they're already scarred. They tr- they're trying their best not to continue to be scarred. And so they've created their own, their own haven, their own world so that they can cope with that day. Um, maybe they don't watch television that day because on that particular day, all the different shows that are coming on are a reminder of what it is that they've lost. Everybody copes with loss differently. Everybody copes with trauma differently. Everybody copes with anxiety differently. Um, But whatever your um, reason is of why you do what you do, just make sure it leads to peace. Um, I just wanted to share that with you is that as I am journeying and I'm on this path, that's one of the things that I know that is important is that whoever my future hubby is, is that he knows that there are going to be situations that I enter into that I'm not going to be 100% 
yearning to go into those situations. And so that's where I'm going to need his support. That's where I'm going to need his affirmations. That's where I'm going to need his him holding my hand, touching the small of my back, kiss me on my cheek, whatever, in order to get me through um, those situations that are triggers for me, because it just depends. It depends on and that's another thing too. whoever it is that you're with. If you haven't taken the time out to explain to them that, you know, you're going to have moments that you're not going to be 100% your best, that's those are conversations you should be having with your spouse, with your future spouse. You know, there's going to be times that I'm going to need you to truly be my pillar, that I'm going to need you to be a fence all around me. Um, there's going to be times that I'm not going to be at my best. And there's going to be times that you're not going to be at your best. And I'm going to be a fence all around you. And I'm going to, you know, reaffirm you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to let you know it's okay. I'm going to, you know, the, whatever needs to be done in order for us to get through that particular situation that's what I'm going to do for you. And that's what I need you to do for me. And I really feel like by doing that, it just makes the experience more pleasant. That's my honest opinion. Whenever you are with someone that can encourage you to go the distance, that can walk you through the storm, so to speak, it makes the experience just a little bit better. Um, I was on Facebook not too long ago, and it's a friend of mine Um She's dating someone and her girlfriend is aware that she struggles with anxiety. And so they had went on a camping trip and she was saying how even though the atmosphere was so, so beautiful, she was suffering from from massive panic attacks. And knowing that she was surrounded by someone who genuinely cared about her mental health, who genuinely cared about her, where her mind space was at who understood that it had nothing to do with her per se, but that she was still needed in the moment, eventually my friend was able to have a good time. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about anxiety. It doesn't make the person suffering from anxiety a bad person. What it means is that this is an illness that this person is suffering from. And in order for them to be whole and in order for them to operate in an atmosphere of wholeness, they've got to be around people that get them, not judge them, but get them. And sometimes that's hard to find are the people that get you. And so I would encourage you if you are one of those people that suffers from anxiety, I hope that you are taking your meds and I hope that you are getting the help. Um, And it's a lot of beautiful people in this world that suffer from anxiety. Isn't that something? And then with the pandemic happening, it didn't make things any better. Truth be told. There's people being forced to get vaccinated. They know their underlining health issues. But they're still being forced to get vaccinated. They're being told by their doctors, I can't give you a medical release because you haven't had an adverse reaction first, which I think is pretty backwards. And then there's people that are, you know, that causes anxiety. It causes anxiety when you are being forced to make a decision outside of yourself for the sake of others, quote unquote. And that might not be what you, what you truly believe in. So anxiety is real. It truly is. And I hope that you are surrounding yourself by people that get you, that understand you, that are not trying to hurt you, but they're trying to build you. And then if there are people that you're surrounded by that 
you know, have this this desire to destroy you or to hurt you or whatever. Find a way to get away. You don't have to be around people that don't wish you the best. I think we we subject ourselves to that. You don't have to do that. I have a dear, dear friend that we just had a conversation and she has made a conscious decision to walk away from her career because of how she was being handled, mishandled, for the lack of better words. And she said, this is the first time, Teresa, in years that I've actually left a employer without having a plan B. But something tells you she's going to be all right because she opted to put her mental health first. She opted to put herself first. Something tells you she's going to be just fine. And that she's going to receive double for her trouble because she now I'm not telling you to go and do that. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is that you don't have to subject yourself to people that don't mean you any earthly good. You don't have to subject yourself to people that really want to destroy you. They don't want to see you win. And they're willing to do whatever by any means necessary to see you suffer. You don't have to subject yourself to being around people like that. You can actually create your own haven, your own way of escape, your own place of peace where you know that you're loved and where you know love rules, reigns, and abides. That's why the imagination is such a beautiful thing is because sometimes you may be in an atmosphere where all you can do is imagine. Imagine yourself getting out of that situation. Imagine yourself being better because I know everybody is not in a situation that they could just walk away. Some people are imprisoned. You know, they're in prison. They can't just be like, hey, I'm about to go. You know, what your imagination is what you use for your way of escape in those situations Um, because you don't have to subject yourself to that. That doesn't have to be the final say. You can actually create your own peace. Do do that by any means necessary. That would be my advice. Well, I do hope that I've encouraged someone on today. I hope that I've said something that's touched someone's heart on today. Um, And I hope that I said something that resonated with someone on today. Um, And I just have a little message to my future hubby. Here we go. And today's date is November the 27th of 2021. Dear future hubby, how are you? I pray that you are well. I pray that your heart is full of love, light, laughter. I just wanted you to know I am not perfect by any means, but I hope and I pray that when our paths cross, that you'll be able to see my imperfections and love me perfectly. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I hope that y'all have the most amazing morning, evening, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please do me a huge favor and take care of yourselves because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.